Hello everyone and welcome to Orson and Bird's Open Forum, a podcast which focuses on issues and topics of importance to women in business today. I'm Megan Lau, a Senior Associate in Orson and Bird's Investment Funds Practice in London, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Sunaina Sinha, Founder and CEO of Seville Capital, which was recently acquired by Raymond James, a Fortune 500 listed bank. Sibyl is a leading private capital advisor with a focus on placements and secondaries in private equity and real assets. Sunaina, thank you so much for joining us today and for taking time out of your busy schedule and welcome. Thank you, Megan. Glad to be here. I'm going to dive straight in and ask you to explain a little bit about your background and how you came to found Seville Capital around 10 years ago. Um, The opportunity presented itself after Harvard Business School when I worked at two large hedge funds doing internal capital raising and and client management for them. Um, This was just after the 2008 financial crisis um, and the markets were in pretty bad places, I'm sure everyone recalls. Um, But therein came the opportunity to do something unique. I had been working with um, placement agents when I was in-house and really thought that there was a differentiated way to do that role, to be able to be strategic thought partners, advisors, two general partners um, around the world. And from that vision, Sibyl Capital was born uh, just over 10 years ago in January, 2011. Uh, I set up the firm. It was just uh, me, myself and I. And uh, my first client was my actually my former employer, Brevin Howard. And in addition to Brevin Howard, very shortly after that, a couple of other clients joined, uh, including some very well-known private equity firms. And brick by brick built the business from there, uh, you know, and, and here we are today, 10 years later, uh, got a knock on the door from Raymond James Financial, ended up really liking those guys and ended up selling the business to them. Quite the story. Um, and so obviously it's, it must take that, uh, that sort of innate confidence to set up your own business, um, especially when obviously you'd had quite a bit of experience before that happened, but you're still, you know, quite early on in your career. What personality traits do you think you need to go ahead and set up your own business like you did? If I think about the key entrepreneurial traits that I might have used in my, certainly in my early years, but also I back entrepreneurs. I've been on a uh, chairman of the board of some leading brands, including Mindful Chef, which was bought by Nestle, including okay. a leading bar brand called Barco that was bought by another strategic and so on, and sit on other boards. Now, when I look at those entrepreneurs, I think we all have a few things in common, really three, if I boil down to it. First is, is that confidence or that belief that we will figure it out, that there will be knocks around along the way, but we will hustle it through, we will figure it out, we will duck and weave, and we'll find a solution. So that's the first one. The second one is absolutely persistence. The ability to get up again and again and again. And I think the difference between also rands and the true greats are the fact that you have to be able to be okay with long periods where things don't seem to change, but there's a lot of change happening. If you know yeah. what I mean, that there, are, there isn't revolutionary change, but there's incremental evolutionary change happening day by day. And over time, that 1% change per week will compound to, compound to a big number. And that belief in having that persistence to get up day after day, month after month, that then turns into year after year to create something of value, that's incredibly important. And the third one, and I do think that this is just as important and unfortunately not discussed as much in the entrepreneurial circles and in financial services in general, is that entrepreneurs have to have an ability to reset their own mental balance. There are so many highs and so, so many lows. 
So how do you stay equanimous through it all? What brings you back to center? It's a lot of focus on mental health these days, but the entrepreneurial journey is all consuming. It is literally, you're all in all the time for a decade plus, which is often how long it takes to create something uh, uh, that, that's of true value. And the ability to try to reset yourself each time, center yourself, ground yourself and say, you know what, I'm okay, I will be okay. Because if you're not, if you go off kilter as the leader, that impacts your organization, it impacts your ability to perform and deliver every day, it impacts your family life. Start, things start going off the rails very quickly. So I think that one, the third one, I think the first two everyone kind of gets, but that third one is not talked about as much where entrepreneurs are concerned and I think it's really important. Yeah, you kind of need that last one to, to then be able to thrive on it rather than it just consume your whole life and, and not be absolutely thing in, in your life. Going back 10 years, you've set up, you set up your own business, you're managing part of your own business. As you said, you started out on your own. Um, so as you started to build your team, we obviously know how challenging it is to make hires. Um, what, what were your key goals, particularly in, with respect to diversity? Um, I know you have a diverse team today. Is that something that happened naturally or was it a conscious decision? Um, and, and when did that sort of, if it was a conscious decision, was that sort of from the outset or was that sort of came about gradually over the years? Yes, it was my conscious decision early on to be the change I wish to see in the industry. So at all points, Sibyl was 100% led by women, 100% of the senior leadership of the business at all times, including today, is female. And more than 50%, between 50 and 60% of the business was female and minorities at all times, including today. And I'm really proud of that track record. And I really wish to maintain that under Raymond James and have their full support in doing so. Now, everyone asks me, how did you do it? What's the secret sauce? Now, there's no secret sauce to it. You just have to commit to it and you have to be able to take the cost, the time delay or the extra recruitment cost associated with it, knowing that you're making your organization a better place and the, the, the industry a better place, your ecosystem a better place as a result of doing so. So it means if I get four CVs and there's not enough diversity in there, I knock it back to the recruiters saying, please find me a more diverse talent pool. It may take them another three, four weeks to you know, go out and get me a few more uh, resumes to, to add to the mix, but so be it. But it's also about constant choices. It's about the choice between a rock star, highly experienced male CEO, COO versus a director of operations who could become a COO but was female, but she just needed a chance. And it's about consciously making that, that choice as the leader of a business that you will keep deciding to go and support women and minority talent and to give them a chance to break out. That's very encouraging um, to hear. And actually this, I have some stats here from um, Freakin's Women and Alternative Assets 2021 Impact Report. Um, and they reported that um, female representation in junior positions in the alternative assets industry is 31.5%, so not terrible. Um, but when we look at mid-level, this falls to 23.7%, and senior, this is just at 12.2%. So this you know, shows how well you've done, really, to have that percentage of women and minorities represented in your business, um, given the low numbers in those positions overall in the market. 
And on that, um, what unique attributes do you think women in particular uh, can bring to the industry, which is obviously pretty male dominated? You know, it is very male dominated. And, I, I, and unfortunately, um, the numbers are still strikingly low. I mean, the numbers you pointed out, Megan, I've heard lots of numbers and the numbers you pointed out are actually on the higher end of what I normally hear on the senior side. So there's plenty of research out there that shows that having women on your team makes your fund's performance go up. You Women uh, tend up having a better investment track record. As CEOs, they have a better unicorn hit rate if you're in tech. There's so much data out there that shows that having people from diverse walks of life whose thinking is different from their current thinking helps avoid groupthink. It brings perspective and, and a, a, a different types of challenges to important questions to the table so that you're tackling an issue or answering a question from all angles possible. On the topic of mentors, how important do you think mentors are, um, particularly in our industry? And have you had a strong mentor or mentors over the years, female or otherwise? I know I've had um, many actually before my most recent job change, I, mainly male mentors, which you have, who've all been wonderful. Um, but now I, now I have um, a female mentor I'm working with, which is also great. And, you know, you do have those um, sort of life um, experiences that may be more, more similar, which, which sometimes helps. Um, have, you, have you had particular mentors in your, in your life growing up or in your career? Yes, absolutely. I think we all stand on the shoulders of, of these stalwarts that came before us uh, very close to other um, strong women in the ba in banking industry and private equity industry, some who are no longer employed uh, in the industry anymore. They chose to take a different path. And that, too, was instructive for me to say, OK, why did this person um, choose to leave and choose to take a different track in their professional and or personal journeys. Um, and each of that has been uh, instructive to me. I think that having the ability to either have formal or informal mentorship relationships, when you can just ask someone about their view on X or Y is, is so important, completely outside of, um, of your day-to-day -day workings, really someone you can be a sounding board is tremendously important. I'm not sure what I would have done, especially in the early years without my supporters saying, hey, what you're doing is tremendous. I know it feels hard right now. I know it sucks because you've heard six no's in a row, but trust me, this too will change. And that remind, reminder that this too shall change, just keep going. Um, that's what got me through some of the tough times in the early years when I wasn't sure this business was scaling or not, but it was, I just couldn't see it. I understand that you have three kids, so in many ways it makes what you have achieved even more impressive. On that sort of same uh, same theme, so as we know, the last 18 months have been particularly challenging. Um, I've considered myself incredibly fortunate this year because I have had the luxury of being able to do a job that I love from the safety of, of my own home. I haven't had to go and put myself at risk. I also have kids who are not at school yet um, and my husband looks after them. So I didn't have to that struggle of homeschool and balancing mm -hmm. work and everything. Um, so, yeah, I just interested to know how how you found this balancing act um, during the pandemic and um, what your what your last 18 months were like while you were also obviously negotiating this acquisition and everything that was going on in your in your work life. Um, it's just life-life balance. It's all life. It's you know, work and life, especially uh, during these COVID days. I would say as long as the schools are open, I can manage anything. I've realized that homeschooling uh, with three kids at home and two working parents 
is just not a good, uh, there's just not a good outcome to that. And my kids are, are quite young, which means that I had to uh, be there or, or someone from the family had to be there every time they had to log on to a Zoom call or every time they had a piece of work to do. And that was terrifically hard, I have to say, um, during the two lockdowns when we had to do that. So my big hope and prayer is that we never have to go back and do that again because that nearly broke me. Um, yeah, I bet. But, uh, yes, and, and there were some very funny moments along the way. Uh, I, I added uh, the, my son's class Zoom link to a work meeting. So I had colleagues joining his class at some point. <laughs> Lots of um, lots of funny stories about you know uh, not very clothed two year old running behind my Zoom calls. So I've had it all at this stage. The pandemic, as challenging as it has been, you are hundred percent right, Megan. We are the lucky ones who've yeah. been able to do it from home. Um, unlike the emergency workers, the frontline workers who've had to get up and go to work and keep our um, you know, vital services running. And beyond that, we've also been the ones who've had thriving businesses, right? The financial exactly. markets, yes, they suffered for a couple of months, but then they went up in boom time uh, as if it was on, they were in a boom time run and everybody benefited, advisors, lawyers. We've all been huge beneficiaries of that. And we also know that that's been completely divorced from what's been happening in the economies, right? That equality has, inequality has never been more, uh, stark than uh, then has come into relief in the last 18 months. So um, yeah. as much as these funny stories or gosh, I hope I don't have to hold school again, maybe little cribs I might have. I think it's important to keep that perspective that we've been able to do it and do it from the comfort and safety of our homes. Exactly. But yeah, he's hoping we, we don't have to go into any more lockdowns and the worst is behind us, but um, we shall have to wait and see. Um, and so, so before we bring bring this podcast to a close and let you get on with your busy day, which I'm sure you have ahead of you, um, I have just two more final questions. So the first one um, was relating to meditation, which I understand has had um, a very positive impact on your life. And I know from speaking to many others that they, they, they say the same. Um, I know my husband tries to meditate every day, um, although I'm not sure how effective it is with the two screaming children in the background. Um, and I have also tried myself. It was actually one of the New Year's resolution, a bit cliche, that my um, husband encouraged me to do. But I, I was often doing it at the end of the day and I found myself starting to fall asleep. Um, so just from someone who obviously has had a very positive impact on your life, um, do you think it's something that can work for everyone or maybe it's not, not right for everyone? Or do I just need to try harder at it or give it time? Um, so I'm, I'm, I want to reap the benefits of it, but maybe, maybe it just doesn't, doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And I describe meditation as an exercise for the brain. Just like we go to the gym to work out um, and build bicep or build muscle mass in different parts of the body. Um, the brain is actually the heaviest muscle in the human body. You've got to give your brain a chance to build as well. And we're so busy during our days going from you know, pillar to post, running like headless chickens. So what is the exercise you're going to give your brain to recharge, reset, and grow stronger? If you're serious about meditation, go and take a course. There's many, many out there. So that's what I did to learn meditation. Just like any other exercise, if you're trying to ski for the first time, you're going to need some instruction. Uh, it's not the type of skill that's easily mastered. It needs practice. It needs dedication to get better at it, just like any other new exercise you might take up. So my advice is if commit to it. If, if, if you're a believer that meditation can help 
you know, relax your brain, reset your brain, build your brain. By the way, there's tons of research on it. You don't, it's not a faith question. You don't have to believe me um, on it. You can just Google the benefits of meditation. There's tons of research from Harvard Medical School and many others on the benefits of meditation on, on the brain and body. Yeah, I think, as you say, it takes, takes dedication and um, yeah, making yourself do it as well, getting into that routine. Um, and then my final question is, what bit of advice would you give your younger self if you could? Or what's the best bit of advice you had earlier on in your career? I would say two pieces of advice come to mind. Um, first is, this too shall change, right? When you're young, girl or young, period, you end up thinking that what you're experiences, experiencing currently is going to be your status quo going forward. But actually, the only constant is change. Everything is changing. Whether you see the change or you don't see the change, the change is there. The change is happening every step of the way. You and I are not the same person now as we were 40 minutes ago when we started this podcast. We've changed because of what we've said to each other, what we've heard, what we've experienced. And that change is, is very incremental. It's very evolutionary, but it is constant. So, uh, and when you're, uh, my younger self used to think that, my goodness, you know, maybe this isn't going to work. I need to do something else. Uh, well, before you rush along from left to right and back, to, back, back the other way, just know that that change is happening and you'll notice the change in, in, in whatever you're trying to change or evolve in your life. Um, to, to for me over the last 10 years. And then my second lesson will be back yourself, right? There are so many doubts and doubters. There are so many ways to say, maybe I'm not as good as this as I thought. Maybe I should do something else. Maybe I should try, uh, 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 try maybe being or, or saying something differently or being a certain way to fit a, different, a mold that society expects of me. Know back yourself right? Nobody else will. Nobody else will go all in on you if you don't go all in on you. So go, go ahead and do that. Because as soon as you believe, you'll find others believing in you. And I found that also the hard way that when I was wavering, why would a client give you um, their business if they see in you and they see, you can sense in your body language that you maybe don't have the faith and confidence you should? You have it in yourself first and you will see the universe open its doors to you. And I found that very much to be the case. They are truly some very wise and inspiring words. Thank you, Selena. And on that positive note, we come to the end of our podcast. I want to thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. You really do have an impressive story and I'm sure you'll be a great inspiration to many listening. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. 